what you hearing. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. X go give it to you. On today's podcast, I'm talking to Susan Gregory and Ellie Reese about the difference between what men get paid and what women get paid in a state agency and why those differences exist in today's world. Uh, welcome to the show, you guys. Um, Susan, do you want to start us off and just give us a little bit of background on yourself and then perhaps, Ellie, you could follow on afterwards? Yeah, absolutely. Um, great to be here, Mark. Thanks for having us. Uh, so yeah, I'm Susan Gregory. I've been in a state agency for 13 years now. So I joined when I was 27. Um, not the kind of 18, 19 year olds that, that some people joined this wonderful industry at, at that age. Um, and I've been a leader ever since. I, I started a training management program at one of the biggest independents. Well, actually, it was the biggest independent um, at the time. And then since then, I've worked for huge corporates, independents, um, prop tech as a leader in, in, in all of those businesses. And um, recently, just beginning of this year, completed an MSc in people and organizational development, which was, was around really understanding more about the things that I tacitly felt within our industry around hierarchy, around reward systems, around how, how, our, how our industry works. Um, so I'm now kind of combining that industry experience with some of that academic um, knowledge. Love it. Okay. Ellie? Hi, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. Um, well, I am a little bit older than Susan, but also came to agency late, but even later. Um, I'm actually a trained fine artist. I was a fine artist and a lecturer. I've got a master's degree, so also an academic route. Um, and uh, for my sins, although perhaps I'm delighted about now, fell in love with an estate agent, actually met a chap on a viewing. That's not uh, good. And... <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not sure what my friends thought at the time, but anyway, now here we are. And uh, ostensibly, he felt very strongly having done it for about a decade and worked for lots of different people like Susan had, you know, the whole spectrum um, from small independents to very high-end design-led businesses to the big corporates, that pretty much it was a broken system. He was quite miserable and felt that there were fundamental changes that needed to be made within the industry and that the only way to do that was to do it yourself. And I think because I'd come from such a completely different place, which is not-for-profit, the arts, third sector, creative, um, whereby the drivers and the motivations of work are very different, um, that we could do something together and sort of galvanise those different experiences and approaches to, to make an alternative way of doing the business of selling houses i guess awesome love it um okay so this particular podcast uh, came about because i saw a post uh i think it was your post wasn't it susan about uh was it chesterton's or was it another uh, another of the big brands that you was talking about whereby there was a big discrepancy in the senior management yeah, it was it was it was Chesterton's, and um, basically what happened, uh, a, an area director or, or a director within Chesterton's had posted on LinkedIn on the public forum a picture of his team and just saying, "When are you going to instruct me to or our team to to sell your property?" And I looked at this picture and I saw what I always see 
<laughs> an older man um, in in the in the senior position. So there was four directors. They were all male, and as you kind of went down, um, we started to see the women. And and I've just been seeing this so often now. A, a year ago, um, Connells did something similar when they promoted um, seven white men to their board, and and I and I just thought this this cannot be how our industry is, and, and yet it is. So I responded to his, his post and, and just said, well, I'll instruct you when you haven't got all male directors, um, which was true, that, that's my stance on it. Um, he came back and, and he said, well, actually the organization has many female directors, um, which sounded amazing and, and I'm, that's great. You know, I'm, not, I'm not here to kind of have a fight with anybody, but I thought, well, I'll just have a little look at that. And as I looked into it, and had a look on their website, it turned out that I think out of 18 directors they were advertising on their on their website, three were female, which is 16.7%, which is not many, I think, in anyone's vocabulary. Um, so that ignited my interest. And then I looked at all of their branch managers, and out of 35 branch managers, only one was female, which is 2.8%. Um, and that, for me, is not okay. <laughs> there is something going wrong there. Um, and, it, and it's a complex industry-wide and societal-wide issue and then looking at their gender pay gap from 2018 Cheston's had 53% of their workforce being female so I wrote back to, to this chap and said look if that's the case then please update your website because it's not what you're showing what you're showing is is actually a 2.8% female management and a 16.7% um directorship uh, uh, that, are, that are female and that's not many and this is a really big problem and there's people talking about it and we would love to talk to you about it. Ellie commented um, and then within a couple of posts, a couple of comments, our comments got deleted um, and it was the subsequent post um, that, that I wrote about that silencing of women in the state agency when we're talking about something that is so important um, that is just no longer something I will stand for. Um, and hence we're having these conversations. Wow. And I think if I can just jump in, Mark, I think what was really interesting about it, other than the fact that he clearly picked a, a fight with the wrong women, um, was that it had happened to us before. It mm. had happened to me when I'd made a, a post on Savills, who also have a huge gender disparity in terms of their gender pay gap. Um, and our comments had been, Susan and I had also made these pertinent points, which were facts, by the way. I mean, I think that's what's really important here. This is not subjective opinion. We're just not casually remarking based on no information or knowledge. We both very well researched in this particular area. I and mean, the gender pay gap stuff I did was published back in April by the negotiator um, because it was so shocking. Mm. Um, not just Chesterton's, it's not just Savills, it's across the board in corporate agency. Um, but again, our remarks were deleted and we're not saying, we're not being angry. Well, we are angry, but we're not being abrasive. We're just being factual. We're saying, have a conversation with us because this is the only way things are going to move forwards. This is really important for our industry. And I think to be shut down and silenced is really problematic behaviour. I don't think you can just delete people's remarks. I was just going to say the same thing. I mean, you know, it's this isn't a... As you said there, this isn't a Savills and a Chesterton's issue. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to shut you down and run away. No. They could just say, yeah, maybe we should be having a conversation about that. Like, it's really interesting that you've pointed that out. Or they could say, we're aware of the problem and we're trying to do something about it. Or they could say a million and one things, couldn't they? Like, yeah. It's yeah. not, you're not 
attacking them for being Savills or them for being Chestertons. So why you've obviously you guys obviously live and breathe this. Like what is this a bigger problem in a state agency than anywhere else, or is this just like you say a societal problem and it's the same in a state agency as everywhere else? It's particularly bad in a state agency. Um, the UK national average in terms of the gender pay gap across the board is sort of flutters between sort of 10 and 15%. Um, in a state agency, it's usually upward of 30. Um, we're talking about these particular companies and included in that are Dexter's and other, other big corporates. Um, you're talking about around the 40% mark, which is shockingly high. And then when you go up a level in terms of um, seniority, um, the bonus pay gap, the discrepancy is even more shocking. It's more like 80%. Yeah. Wow. That means for every pound a man is paid, a woman is paid 22, you know, yeah. just to put that starkly. Um, and these are mandatory reports that the companies are having to um, publish themselves. Right, so it's not like they're not aware of it. <laughs> it's not like they're not aware of it. And I think, you know, as Ellie says, that the stats are there to say that this is a state agency is particularly bad. And what disappoints me most about that is that we have so many women in our industry. Yeah. So it's not as if we're, you know, in manufacturing or in an industry where actually it's difficult to attract women in the first place. We have them. We just don't retain them and promote them and put them into senior leadership. Um, and the Cheston example was, was perfect of that. You've got 53% of your workforce being female, but 2.8% of your branch managers. And that, for me, is just such a crying shame. And, and, it, and there's so many things that we're missing out on because of that. And there's so many things about our industry that is not evolving and developing in the way that we want it to and need it to for the future that, are, that this is a manifestation of. Do you think, do you think that... Um, part of the reason that this happens and somehow needs to be resolved is that maybe, although they might have 53% of their workforce that are women and only a certain, only a tiny percentage of branch managers, do you think that what happens is um, as we grow up and we leave school, everybody kind of jumps into the workforce and we're all on a reasonably even kill, even though, you know, you, I'm sure you've got statistics that say, well, you're, immediately you're not on an even kill, but let's just say that we start, we all start, at the bottom of the ladder and then we slowly start working our way up the ladder and then a woman's career not 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 uh, guaranteed but a lot of the time gets interrupted and what uh, right at the point whereby a man maybe starts to make a little bit of a movement up that ladder maybe they moved from working as a negotiator to working as a branch manager while the the lady that he started his career with was having children and then by the time that person perhaps wants to return to the workforce, the woman maybe feels less confident. And the man at this point has got himself to the stage where he's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm well on the way up the ladder now. Do you think that that's one of the reasons why this happened? Because they're 53% of their workforce maybe, yeah, they're at the beginning of the ladder. Or are you seeing that, no, 53% of their workforce are all the way down, but they're just not paid enough money? I was waiting for you to jump in on that one, oh. Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> I can do if you like. Um, I think that it is um, a kind of tried and tested jump for us to make in terms of just going, oh, that's because women leave, and then it's harder to get back in. 
And in part that, in part, I think that's true. Um, but then the argument there is, why is it difficult to go back? It's not, it's not difficult to go back into all industries. Um, that is in part because the estate agency industry has certain expectations. The pay structure is done in a certain way with very low basic salaries. It's commission-based. It's very rapaciously competitive. It doesn't, it doesn't fit with what we're seeing more now, actually, post the pandemic, which is flexible working, people being rewarded for doing the job rather than doing certain hours or being in the office, in the office at 8 a.m. Um, so there are lots of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to do with the culture of a state agency in the first place, which is very male dominated. Mm. And actually it's very difficult for you to fit into that. Now it's possibly historic because it's sort of always been thus. And no one's really ever challenged that. And no one's ever really pushed for that to be changed. So for example, when I came into the industry, I really wanted um, a female mentor. Well, I mean, I did not... <laughs> didn't have a big gallery of people to choose from there was hardly anybody else who had kind of trodden that path there's a book by Jill Witty Collins called Why Men Win at Work and she talks very much about mini-me syndrome which is um, ostensibly the recruitment process so we feel more comfortable recruiting people sort of in the same image of ourselves so if you've got an all-white male board of directors it's very likely that unless somebody comes in kind of all guns blazed and pushing their way into that space, which, by the way, is very masculine, business is a very masculine space and tends not to be guided by stereotypically feminine principles, nothing will ever change. Mm. So it's a sort of, it's a bit of a vicious circle because actually if you're trying to do that as a woman, anyway, you feel very... Uh, it feels very obstructive. Does yeah. that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I think it, it ties in very similarly with the problems that we face, whereby you know we're asking people to rethink the way that they think about the way they're running their business. And they haven't really got time to do that. They're like, well, I'm in the middle of doing stuff. I don't, I don't want to rethink the way that I do my business. And it's the same with this. We're saying, just rethink your entire culture. Yeah. And they're going, oh, I haven't got time to do that. <laughs> I think it's partly a time thing, but I also think it's, you know, is there a desire? Is there an understanding? Yeah. Um, and there was a couple of things for me when I started to kind of get up to area director level. And I remember going for an interview and there being a five page job description for this area director's role. And it literally was micromanagement of micromanagement of micromanagement. It was just sickening to me. And I, as I was becoming more self-aware, that wasn't me and it wasn't what leadership looks like to me and I kind of had to make decisions where I was almost falling out of alignment with myself and starting to become un unauthentic as who I am as a as a leader and as an individual and as a woman to fit in and the more we try and fit in the less authentic we become and it again it becomes this vicious cycle so for me it wasn't so much about having children I haven't had children but it's like as Ellie says I'm not seeing people like me or I wasn't seeing people like me and actually even the system and the structure and the hierarchy itself and the ways of working are not things that naturally align with actually how I believe we should lead and, and how I believe 
our industry works and you know you you touch on these things i think um mark in your conversation with with, with chris watkin around actually short-term goals and does that actually work and does that actually mirror our customer journeys and our property journeys and actually they don't and we've almost created this matrix of um goals and rewards and targets that actually doesn't necessarily fit with our processes or the way that people buy or sell property and the way that we are as individuals and so there's there's lots to unpick um but all of that comes from the fact that the people in the decision-making roles are have got to, to those to, to those positions by actually valuing these processes. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I was chatting to somebody just the other day about uh, diversity in their organisation. It was a, quite a big firm, and they were just reading off numbers about how many women they had in their workforce, how many from ethnic minority, and all of that sort of stuff. And I was just saying that isn't that isn't diversity. No. If they all went to the same school <laughs> and the same <laughs> university and have had the same upbringing, there isn't any diversity there. No, that's right. Yeah. Or all come so, from the same place. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 how does a company, someone who's listening to this, if they're, you know, most of our clients are uh, estate agents and most of them work for independents rather than big corporates. So they have the ability to make a change. So, somebody is listening to this and thinks to themselves, I think I'm, I think I might be guilty of this, like inadvertently. Where do they begin? Where do you, where would you say they begin if they if they're admitting to you, like you know, yeah, we're, our company's guilty of it? Where does where does a company start to look at how they change? I think um, there's a, there's a few things for me, and and it does start with even that awareness. Um, I would love to have people listen to this and and even be able to go oh I think that's me because actually a lot of the time you you, you don't see the water you swim in um and 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 that's just a fact so so a lot of our male leaders and this is not a criticism it's just a fact aren't aware of the dominant male culture with in in, in which we, we we operate so I would almost take a step back and go I would I would not expect them to see it so let's start trying to see it um, and start encouraging people to actually really reflect and become a bit more self-aware and get uncomfortable and ask those challenging questions and and not already think you've got the answers. Again, we 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 tend to have promoted people that are egotistical, that sort of criticism, criticism again, but you know, I've got all the right answers. I'm an expert in this. In this field, we're not, this is complex and complicated and we don't have all the answers, but we need to start asking the questions and we need to start not looking for confirmation bias you know not, not looking for things that are I think it's this way and here's something that agrees with me look for the thing that doesn't agree with you and start to engage there yeah. I think that's right I think it's about knowing that your ship will remain afloat and sail successfully if everybody is doing something different and brings something different you know we we know through so much research that that's what makes good profitable business and happy um, well-rewarded workforce. Um, going back to the the parental thing, it's in part about understanding um, and giving benefits to in in a heteronormative situation, benefits to men and women that are equal in terms of parental pay. So that's something that society society and businesses have to work on. But I mean, for for example, Volvo has just said, and Athos I think has just mm -hmm. said, you know, irrespective of um, gender, irrespective of sexuality, irrespective of your personal circumstances. If there's a situation where there's an infant involved, so it um, could be a surrogacy or it could be a, um, a, a same-sex 
relationship and an adoption or a natural birth, both parents get equal entitlement in terms of time off and equal pay. Now that will shift things massively because then that would stop what you're talking about, which is why do all the women leave? So it's, it's not looking at the symptom, it's looking at the root problem, which is the way the business is set up. Um, for I have the privilege of being able to do things like when I had my second child, we were very much in the throes of the business. Um, I was able to bring her into work and breastfeed in a board meeting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what can leaders do? If someone said, can I bring, I, I don't want to miss out on this meeting. Can I come in? But actually I'm breastfeeding my baby. So can I bring him or her with me? Not to just shut that down and say, oh, actually, no, that's not the way we do things. Mm -hmm. Kind of go, yeah, actually, we let dogs in the office these days. Let's let a baby into a board meeting, you know, and just to be open to, I'm going to go on, in about, on evaluation and I'm going to take my baby in a sling. Guess what? For my company, that's really on brand. I might be meeting somebody who'd also just had a baby the previous year and totally understands. These are things that not only should we accept as the norm, but they could be positive for business. Mm. They could make business better, not worse, you know, Maybe people don't want the kind of cold, pragmatic turning up in a suit anymore. Maybe turning up, you know, with a baby in a sling is a really great thing. Yeah, absolutely. What if, you know, what if your business did great things for great people and people actually liked it as opposed to, you know, you just <laughs> yeah. you, you did exactly what you were told an estate agent was when you were an estate agent and then you became an estate agent and employed those rules again. And like you said before, most people, I think, I was probably guilty of this when I, and not that I've got all the answers now at all, and I totally would admit that to my whole team. Quite often they come to me and say, Mark, what should we do? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> um, but, but back when I very first had my, my first ever company, I, there was part of me that I'd come from a state agency. I'm supposed to be the boss. Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to know all the answers. Everyone's supposed to be at work on time. Everyone's supposed to be in a suit and with nice shoes. And this is how we're supposed to work. And then gradually yeah. over the years, you go, mm, isn't it more about outcome rather than output? Like, what, what, why are we doing this? Why does everyone have to be here at nine o'clock? Like, why does everyone have to make 100 phone calls? Why does everyone have to follow these rules? Why does, it, why does everyone have to do it my way? What if there was a better way? What if somebody else could come up with a suggestion whereby it was like, huh? Yeah, that makes sense. And what if I didn't like it, but everybody else did? Like, yeah, maybe that would be a good thing. So I think absolutely, like companies, companies. If if someone's listening to this and they do run an estate agency, just they should remember it's their estate agency. They can do whatever they want. They can make the rules, can't they? They don't have to do it how their boss in corporate estate agency used to do it. Like you said, if if you want to just I think an estate agent maybe may get trapped in the idea that oh, I'm looking for a senior valuer and most of the senior valuers are guys and blah, 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 blah. But like, just shut that down for a minute and think, but what if you were looking for uh, a female of a certain age that could maybe bring a bit of diversity to your organization and give you a different viewpoint on what the, what your customers are looking for? Mm. Well, look at it that way instead of, well, I need a senior valuer, somebody who's done it the way that I've always done it. And recruitment's really, really important. And just just do recruitment differently. I mean, we tend, not by design, but we tend not to recruit from a state agency because we find people have those bad habits that you're talking about that we don't want them to, to bring in, which isn't to say we wouldn't look at people who are from agency either. Um, but just be really, really open. Find the different 
more independent recruiters, find people who are going to, um, who share your values in terms of building your team. Um, we talk about cultural fit. I think you have to throw that out the window. I think you have to throw all those rules out the window, actually. <laughs> I think you have to kind of go, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't really matter. And, and I'm a case in point in that, ostensibly, we sort of run, we sort of run the company a bit like a, a design studio, you know. Um, and that's just because that's what I know. And that's how I know to, how to project manage. And um, it can work. So I think there's a lot of fear involved. I think people feel also, um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We've always been doing it this way. There's a nervousness of challenging the status quo. And I understand that too. And I think if you are, I mean, we get private messages all the time from people who say, we really support what you're saying. Thank you so much for putting your head above the parapet for us. Mm. We really agree, but we can't really agree publicly because actually there's a genuine feeling of my job might be in jeopardy or how will how will I be seen to my seniors or how will I be seen? Um, what's the public perception, particularly when you're talking, uh, when the public is actually not the general public, the public is, you know, your LinkedIn network, which is all of the agents anyway. Um, Susan and I don't have anything to lose because, you know, we're our own people. We're running our own businesses. Um, and for us, the, the gain of what we're doing is greater. But you'd be surprised how, how many people I think are actually just really, really nervous and frightened of putting, you know, a step out of line. And that, that again, comes back to the culture, though, doesn't it? Because whether it's... exactly whether it's uh, that they're too scared to talk about the fact that they feel that they're being underpaid because of their gender, or whether it's that they're scared of losing their job because of their targets, or whether they're scared of losing their job because their boss is in a bad mood, or whatever it is, all of it comes back to like, why are you running your company like that? Why have you got people working for you that are scared to even speak to you? <laughs> it's it, it, it's so true and, and again it's it's so disappointing and frustrating that 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 is how many people in not just in this industry but but in this industry feel and are and from a female perspective again there, there are there are different experiences through life that actually make those feelings more likely to be feelings that women experience and that fear and that not speaking up because women are shut down or they are told no and, and much more so than men and again you know there's lots of stats and facts around that um that, that just make it even harder so again when we talk about what we need to do about this um one of the things that's important to me is that this is not just for women to stand up and say this is not okay you know we all have to do it um it, the leaders have to start to look at, at their businesses themselves and their practices and 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 really start to become a bit more self-aware one of the phrases i absolutely hate is my door is always open well that doesn't mean people can walk through it right it just doesn't <laughs> it's, it's, it's again taking that responsibility away from the organization onto the individual you know you come to me if you have a problem no 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 no. you should be looking at do we have a problem and what can we do about it um as an organization rather than putting that as i say onto an individual and also by the way we're saying there's a massive problem look at it and listen to it and that being not only is that conversation not happening it's being like removed and censored so i mean there's a long way to go actually yeah. Um, yeah absolutely i was just thinking the same thing i mean imagine if your comments had been from somebody who worked at chesterton's right right <laughs> yeah if i was working in the corporate agency now would i have felt okay to have said that and to be honest with you it was still daunting to say it it wasn't oh, it's really intimidating it, even now oh, yeah. 
oh, anything on social media, you you have to be bulletproof to write if you're not going to just sit in the middle of the road, don't you? No, it's it's really really intimidating. And I I started off by just sort of um, gently about two years ago, sort of gently poking at Chris Watkin when every time he said female instead of woman. And then eventually he was like, maybe this person has got something to say, and maybe what she's saying is legitimate, so we'll actually talk to her. But you know that takes that takes time, and you have to not be too sensitive about it. Um, I also think that we need to, again, it's a cultural thing, but as a as an industry, we need to understand. Uh, this is across all. This is across all corporate business, actually. But we need to understand that there are different forms of kind of archetypal leadership, and they're not all male. Okay, so that Sarah Blakely, who who runs Spanx, talks about this a lot, which is that she was really laughed at when she talked about uh, sort of typical feminine leadership tropes like kindness and compassion and intuition and if you put kindness and compassion and intuition into the mix when you've got KPIs and targets and bottom lines and you know this that and the other those things don't there's a disconnect you can't say to your boss I haven't made a hundred call today or I'm not going to take this property on because it just doesn't feel right or my gut instinct but actually we have to learn that those other modes of behavior are super valuable. Absolutely. Even though you can't quantify them, they're not quantifiable. You can't like put it on a spreadsheet. No. But um, Susan and I were saying this earlier, when you do academic research, you can submit research, um, which is completely legitimate, which might be a series of conversations. Mm-hmm. It's still recorded as data. It's just not numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we think it's also about the people who are currently at the top and getting their heads around the fact that there might need to be this kind of shift. That's a, such a good point, because in a way, it's like you can succeed in a state agency as a woman if you pretend to be a man. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's almost what I was starting to feel, uh, you know, that it was inauthentic for me to behave that way. But that's how the organisations existed. And that's what good looked like. Um, but we know, actually, what, what I find, again, fascinating about when we talk about this industry is that, you know, buying and selling properties is emotional. Um, it's full of emotion. It's full of complexity. It's full of all of these traits that we just seem to to, to put to one side when it comes to what good looks like. Um, giving a great service, and we talk about it, we talk about, oh, we're amazing at our service, but we don't reward anybody based on service, very, very rarely. Um, we don't promote people because they're great at delivering a service. Um, we reward them because they hit their, their KPIs, exactly as, as Ellie said. So it's all of those starting to really question, what do we do? Why do we do it that way? And really ask why and who is it serving? Because in my experience, a lot of that is purely serving management. It's purely serving a need for control um, that actually is potentially stifling. And when we look at where our industry is going um, and the future of people coming in, you know, we're we're trying to employ people now from hospitality and from airline um, industries, et cetera. Those are real service industries. I'm concerned that, you know, we're going to bring them into our industry, but then expect them to fit into a mold and a way of working and a way of being rewarded that actually is maybe not the reason we brought them in in the first place. Um, and when we look at the future of our clients, who are they? And and we, we have a recruitment problem. How, how are we actually going to attract, retain and reward and develop great state agents for the future if we keep yeah. doing the same thing? It's, it's such a good point. I mean, I did. A, I remember doing a talk once where I was 
saying this similar thing that estate agents, they just, they're like robots, you know, they just reel off pointless information to people like we do professional photography. Um, we're trustworthy. <laughs> We and I imagine if it was an unprofessional photographer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I wasn't expecting you to 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 take a shit photo. I wasn't expecting you to. I wasn't expecting you to come and rob me. Like you don't have to tell me you're trustworthy. You know, it's like they're standard things in life. But estate agents, they they they're insular and they know that actually they're not standard in estate agency. So these are selling points, but they're not selling points. Like I, I'm not expecting you to be rubbish. You know? Do you think that that's because the bar is really low? The bar is so low. It's but, so but, low. And but, the, but the bar is so low because what tends to happen is um, estate agents employ people like myself when I first left school. I had no other qualifications. I had nowhere else to go. This was a job that looked more professional than working in an ice cream shop. So I went and worked as an estate agent. And they paid me next to nothing. I think my starting salary was about four grand a year. Um, so that's the people that you employ. And then what happens is they start to learn how estate agency works and they open their own estate agents. But they're not yeah. true entrepreneurs. They're just they're an no. estate agent who's, who's still doing estate agency. So they're not thinking necessarily... I could change the world. I could change the workforce. I could change my just my little part of the world. I could, I could actually, I could do something about this now. This stuff that I'm listening to on the podcast, I don't have to wait for Chestertons to do anything. I could change it right now in my business. I could change all the rules. They're, they're just not thinking that because in their mind, they just created a job for themselves as an estate agent and they make more money doing it for themselves than if they carried on doing it for four grand a year. And so the bar stays low because it's not a group. It's not entrepreneurs that start estate agents. It's estate agents that start estate agents. <laughs> and as Susan has said in the past, what that also tends to attract are people who are just chase, actually chasing the, the the next dollar. It's not about other things. It's not about meaningful work. It's not about what a, what's my incentive to get up every day? You know, we talk all the time about, well, if you didn't pay agents on commission, how would you incentivize them? Well, the whole world is incentivized by many, 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 many things that aren't just money. All of us get up on a daily basis for, for loads of reasons. And it's about, again, changing that mindset. It doesn't have to be about, you know, I win, you lose. We're not collaborating. We're not sharing, becoming obsessed with volume, becoming obsessed with, you know, the percentage of instructions you get versus valuations, you know. Um, that's all very masculine, typically. It's all very kind of ego-driven. It's the sort of um, turnover is vanity thing, isn't it? Rather than how can we actually make this, you know, there are lots of people in the world who just want to make the stuff that they're doing better, more enjoyable, happier, more productive, you know. Um, and that's that's where we come from. That's our position. But our position comes from one of really feeling that kind of oppressive nature of being in such a male-dominated uh, industry and situation whereby, you know, when I first came into it, I just, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was just sort of going back to my kind of old work friends and saying you're not going to believe what happened and you're not going to believe what what the norm is within this industry and I think if you if you've been in the industry forever you don't know that it's different outside this weird oh. bubble and actually it is weird it is and you only know that if you come in from from the outside and 
you know, started a business with my husband. I can't tell you the number of times I've been mistaken for his PA or, you know, a secretary or, you know, somebody that doesn't know what they're talking about. And I've been mansplained by surveyors and solicitors and lots of other estate agents, most of whom are sort of old enough to be my son, you know. And it's just been the accepted way of behaving. Yeah. For yeah. all ends, you know, the at, at the top end and at the low end. Not, It's not that the kind of, the more prime your real estate is, the better it becomes. It's it's polarized in some ways, but it's exactly the same behavior. Yeah, it's crazy. It must, I mean, it's must be incredibly frustrating. My wife, who's a co-founder of the company, says the same thing when we go to do a, a, a tech test for an event or we go anywhere. They're like, you know, oh, when's the when's the boss arriving? When's the boss man coming? Yeah. <laughs> he's like you're talking to him. So um I, I think it's 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 it, so, so so to sum it up for the person listening then what we're really saying to people is like like you you are the person who can make the change like you know you are the company that is adding to this or you are the company that is trying to solve it this one or the other isn't it like you know and so in your own small corner of the world maybe you could reflect at you know, rather than just putting up an obstacle going, oh, yeah, I've tried finding, you know, female staff, like, you know, it's easier to find male staff, like, get over that bit. And if you want, why do you want female staff? Not because they're a valuer who works the estate agency way. You want female staff to bring something different to the organisation, then they're easy to find, aren't they? You know what I mean? If you're trying to find a, a estate agent with 17 years experience valuing houses in this area that's done that then yes of course the male candidates are going to outweigh the female candidates but if you're looking for females to come into your organization to make it a more balanced more diverse organization and bridge this gap that's going on yeah then all of a sudden they're easy to find right yeah and 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 it and, and you'll be more successful again all the research is there to say if you've got gender diversity and, and 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 diversity you know across the board those companies are more successful they're more profitable they have better retention rates etc so so it makes good business sense as well and the only other thing i would kind of add to that is that if you're going for um for roles everyone in our industry can t- start to talk about this this is not a female issue this is an industry it's a societal issue but it's an industry issue as well um so if you're going for a role ask them what their gender pay gap is or or research beforehand and then ask them what they're doing about it because we have to accept that yes we've got a long way to go but if a company is able to say we're doing this this and this as a young guy joining that company, I'd, I'd want to, I'd, I'd feel in, inspired by that. I'd be like, okay, fantastic. If, if they said, oh, well, you know, we're not doing anything about it, or they couldn't give you a straight answer, that would be a red flag for me. Because that would say to me, either as a guy, as a woman, as a, as a non-binary person, that, that this company isn't investing in its future. And that would be of concern. So I think we can, we can bring it, uh, come at it from both angles. Yeah, I love it. And I think, I think that's really key as well, because we're sort of like, all pretty long in the tooth even though I've not been doing agency for that long but I mean there's a there's a whole generation of younger generation of people who they don't even care about men and women I mean they're way more progressive than we are I mean we're so behind in terms of the fact that we're even having this conversation you know my daughter who's nine is just like you know mummy there's no such thing as boys and girls stop saying boys and I mean this is a much more enlightened um, you know, they think we're dinosaurs. Okay, so estate agency in comparison to this is the future. These are people who are going to be coming into these 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 jobs. They're the people that we're going to be serving, who we're going to be working for, and they're the people that we're going to be working with. Um, you've got to get with the program. Yeah, 
Brilliant. All right, guys. Um, just, just as I say, just to, to emphasize the point again, I just think that the key thing here is for companies to, to realize that they make the rules themselves. They're not governed by anything else. I had an agent the other day talking to me about, uh, you know, all these companies are sending letters to his uh, listings and stuff. And I was like, he was saying, how, how do I get involved with that? And I was saying to him, like, why would you want to get involved with that? Just stop for a minute and be the one who stands up and says, isn't it crazy that when while the world's burning, estate agents are sending out hundreds of letters like, you know, we don't get involved in that. Sort of stuff. <laughs> I mean, why don't you just why don't you just move on from it? So with this, like, you know, if, if someone's listening to this and they they agree with it, which, you know, there's no way of not agreeing with it. They should do something about it. They should they should put someone in charge in their organization of making sure that this stuff is covered off and someone is actually looking into it no matter how big or small the organization is yeah. all right guys thanks very much for coming on the show i really appreciate it um we, like you said at the beginning we could go on about it forever i'm sure uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a part two at some point when uh, when chesterton's or savills are happy to, to uh, get back to you yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right guys i think hell might freeze over <laughs> yes probably, probably. thanks thank for coming. you very much thank you so mark. much thank you mark Fuck what you heard, it's what you hearing, it's what you hearing, listen, it's what you hearing, listen, it's what you hearing, listen.